Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 22. Has anything ever been like invasive? Have you ever, because I know, you know, it can get really intense. People can start looking into your family, into your history and the things that you've done. Did they ever do that for you? Well, I think it's all fair. I think if somebody wants to serve the public, um, it's fair to look into my history. It's fair to look and see, you know, what have I done in the past? What can you expect me to do in the future? So I don't have any necessarily complaints about that. Um, but yes, things were brought up about my family. Things were said about um, th- things that happened that were very, very challenging. Hi, everyone. I'm Taylor Strickland with Locala Magazine, and I will be your host today. And I'm here with a very special guest. It's Lori Cotton. Good. She's a judge. Good morning. Yeah. Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. I'm Lori Cotton. I am a county court judge. I've been a judge for about a year and a half. I've uh, lived in Ocala for 26 years, but I'm originally from Ohio. Um, I grew up in Ohio, went to college at Ohio State, and then moved uh, to Florida with uh, my then-husband at the time and a one-year-old. She's now 26, so it was a while ago. Um, And I was a prosecutor here for 20 years, and I became a judge about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I have three kids, three dogs. Uh, my husband has two kids, and uh, we keep quite busy. Oh, wow. So how has Ocala been since you guys moved? I love Ocala. I love everything about Ocala. When I first came here, it was meant to be a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to go to law school. So we moved here. It was within driving distance of UF. I could go to UF um, and then, of course, move to a bigger city because I thought that would be you know, the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fell in love with it. And I interned at the state attorney's office and really never looked back from that point. But I love um, that you go out to the grocery store and you see people you know um, and having a community and a church and, and all the theater. I got very involved with the theater and all the different things that we do here. It's it's not quite the same in a big city. That's exciting. I didn't know you were so involved in our local theater. Oh, yeah. for For years, I've done... Many things. Usually I'm in the orchestra pit. I play uh, clarinet and saxophone. All the clarinets, all the saxophones. I've been on stage a couple times, um, done, done a couple of things, but usually it's uh, in the music. Wow, you wear a lot of hats, a judge and a musician. Yes. I don't think a lot of people could say that. Right. Um, I know that you mentioned previously that a lot of people would be surprised to find out that that's not how you started out. That wasn't the direction you were going in. To be a judge? Yeah. Not, not at all. Um, when, when I was young, young, well, I mean, when I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut, but once you get past that part, <laughs> like in the more serious time, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a professional musician. Everybody thought I was going to be a professional musician. My parents, my teachers, um, I was going through auditions. I was excited about it. And, but I just, I couldn't really decide what to do because I also wanted, knew I wanted to do service in some way to the community, um, and help people. So I had an audition at Ohio State, and I was talking to the professor after the audition, and she said to me, well, you could double major, because I was thinking of political science. She said, you could double major in political science and music, and that just seemed the stupidest thing in the world to me. Like, so what would you do with that? So (laughs) I felt like I had to make a decision, and I went um, political science initially, and then I got my degree in history eventually, Um, but I've continued to play music, so I can, something I can do. I also sing uh, with the church on Sundays in the praise band. So it's something that I can do on the side, but it is definitely not where I started. And then 
when I went to law school, I think I had a pretty good idea. I wanted to work for the government. I knew that to help people. And then that became more refined as a prosecutor. A lot of people come out of law school and, and become prosecutors. It's a good way to get experience. Mm-hmm. But me, I stayed there for 20 years. And um, and I loved it. I loved everything about it. And when the opportunity came up to be a judge, well, I wasn't really interested in doing it. <laughs> and I got a lot of encouragement from friends, from my husband. Um, and I decided, you know, I have the experience for it. I know I could serve in this way and do well. So I figured I'd put my name in and give it a shot. But it was not the long-term plan. You, you talk to a lot of people that will tell you, even as young lawyers, well, I want to be a judge someday. That was not me. I would have happily worked 30 years at the state attorney's office and retired and and called that a really good career. That's very interesting. What do you think prompted you to want to go into service? Because people feel like musician and service is very different. Was something innate in you or was there a moment in your life where it changed your perspective? I've actually thought about this because I'm not sure where it comes Mm -hmm. from. It had to have been my upbringing from my parents instilling, you know, we I was uh, given every opportunity. I was encouraged to go to college. I went to college. I had to work through college. It wasn't like we had a lot of money, but we definitely, we didn't struggle necessarily either. So I I have all of these things and and I think it's important to give back. I do, Um, but I have to be creative. Um, If I go too long without doing something that's creative, I feel... um, stifled. It's hard to even explain how I feel. I've done photography. I took up quilting during the pandemic, um, music. Um, it just has to be something creative in my life or there's something missing. I also feel like your job, I would presume, is very strict when it comes to rules and things. <laughs> so it's nice to have a creative outlet. There's not a lot of creativity with being a judge. That is true. Um, I do get to decorate my office. So, you know, there's some creativity there. Um, But I also run the DUI court. Mm -hmm. So um, I have found ways to be creative um, with the DUI court. And our DUI court is a program that's set up for people that have – it's not a first-time DUI person that comes into DUI court. It would be somebody who's been arrested two or more times for DUI. So there's a real identifiable problem. You know, they, they need some help with they're struggling with alcohol or other substances. So they come into my court and it's a really intensive um, probation. We meet once a week in, in court. Uh, we have counselors. We have law enforcement on the team. I've just invited somebody from the Phoenix house to come be a part of our team. I'm excited about that. But within that, I have found some ways um, to do creative things. I had somebody come in from Marion County Children's Alliance one time. Cassie came over and brought some supplies and we painted and she kind of gave us some background or like some guidance on how to do a certain thing and then we all painted together and talked about it and then we actually took those images and put them up for sale at a an event for um, substance abuse Mm -hmm. so that was neat Um, every so often um, I'll bring in a basket of uh, fortune cookies and we'll each get a fortune and talk about it so just doing little different things that it's not not what you would expect maybe when you walk into court. Very nice. Because I was just about to say, you know, obviously, you're so pleasant and charming right now. But I imagine that being a judge, there is a demeanor that you have to adopt. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so. And as a prosecutor, too. There yeah. was there was a, a, a way that, that you act as a trial lawyer, especially I'm prosecuting sex offenders and I'm prosecuting people with very serious crimes. Uh, at the end, I was working on wiretaps 
um, for drug dealers. So there's a, yes, you're not pleasant and smiling and, Mm -hmm. you know, happy all the time. And in running a courtroom, um, I think it's very important to keep the order in the courtroom. So if you were to walk in the courtroom and watch me work, you may not see me, you know, smiling and, <laughs> and things like this. Yeah. Yes. You ever you, um, bring that home, or you you drop it at the front door, like when you're around your children and your husband? I have gotten better over the years of leaving work at work. Mm-hmm. Um, there, especially being a prosecutor, handling sex offenses, talking to people who are going through the worst thing they've gone through in their life. Um, and then not bringing that home can be very, very challenging. Um, with this, uh, being a judge, I think I'm pretty good at leaving it at work, but I, I do struggle sometimes with, I just don't want to make another decision when I get home. Like what's for dinner? Like, please don't make me decide this or you know, like somebody else needs to make the decisions for a while. So you, I guess it's decision fatigue when you're um, making all those decisions for people in their lives. When I get home, sometimes I just want to chill. <laughs> so no complaints from the family being like, Mom, you're not a judge here. You're just supposed to be our mom. Oh, no. I mean, my kids are older. Um, I only have one of mine that's still at home. She's 17. And then my husband has two, uh, seven, a 16 and an 18-year-old still there. Um, no. They, I mean, I'm, I'm still mom. In fact, when I first became a judge and, like, newspaper reporters were calling, my daughter was like, why do they want to talk to you? I'm like, this is kind of a big deal, you know, becoming a judge. My kids don't think I'm a big deal at all. So <laughs> well, that's nice. It keeps you humble. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm just mom. Speaking of your husband, did you mention how you guys met? I didn't mention it yet, but I will. We actually uh, went on a blind date. Mm-hmm. Um, his sister is, um, I go to church with her. And the blind date was maybe six years ago or so. I don't even remember. But uh, honestly, it didn't go well. We did not hit it off. We went to Starbucks back when it used to be on the square after church one day. And we had a conversation. It was like, okay, that was nice. And then I really just blew him off. Um, And then a couple of years later, I started volunteering at my church. We have a homeless ministry. And I decided, actually was trying to show one of my children the value of helping other people. So I brought her there and then I ended up getting really involved and he's sitting at the back table there. And the youth pastor at the time, Austin, um, knew both of us. And I I think he knew we had been on this failed blind date. And I think he thought it would be really funny to make us work together. Mm -hmm. So he assigned me to work at Steve's table. So then we just started working together week after week. And and our task was kind of like the information desk. You're not sure where to go in the room. We had lunch. We had a bicycle ministry. Well, they still do this. The bicycle ministry um, to provide transportation for people that don't have it or an ID or birth certificate, which you need to get a job um, or get disability and things like that. So we would direct people. And then some folks would need items like maybe work boots. They've got a job, but they don't have the right footwear or a tent because they have nowhere to live. Um, And we would be making decisions about who to give those things to. Um, and so he and I are working and I'm like, this guy's kind of funny. You know, I like him. And, and it just, as time went on, we actually kind of dove into the project of talking to a lot of different agencies in Marion County that were helping the homeless to figure out who was doing what, what services were being overlapped, what services were missing, how can we work to better, better with other agencies. And we started working together and doing that. And then that, you know, evolved into dating and then now we're married. So it was the humor, the connected goals. That's what that's what brought you guys together. Humor, connected goals. He's just, he's such a good guy. He's, he's a nice, 
guy. I mean, he leaves his socks on the floor at home, you know, so he, he's not perfect. We, I think mean, when you're married to somebody, you have all those little things, but he's, he's just a genuinely good person. And we could have these real conversations. You know, you don't always have very real conversations with people. Um, and, and it was really, really nice. And, um, well, it's a good thing that you guys kind of got over the whole things going wrong thing in the mm-hmm. beginning, because I think you know what I'm leaning towards. I heard that your wedding, something <laughs> surprising <laughs> happened there. Yes. Yeah. So our wedding was amazing. Um, we decided we, we both have been married before. So we've both been through, you know, a, a wedding before and we just wanted our kids. So um we went up. We're also really, really into national parks, so I have to tell you that. We, we love national parks. It's our goal to visit all 424 or 25 or however many there are, and we wanted to get married in a national park. And initially, we were looking at some of the mountains, um, and then I read something online that you could get married at some of the monuments in Washington, D.C. So we got a permit, and we were married at the Jefferson Memorial, which is really, really cool. And one of the reasons we did that is we kind of, we loved, um, I'm a big Alexander Hamilton fan, love the musical. And we kind of love the symbolism of, of, of Jefferson and Hamilton and how they didn't get along with everything, but they got things done, you know. And so we decided to get married there. And my daughter, Jasmine, who is an attorney in Tallahassee, she uh, got her certificate and she married us, which is super cool. So we're standing out there and it's just our kids and us and our photographer we hired. And, you know, of course, we're at the Jefferson Memorial, so people are there. This tour bus stops, like, right where we're getting married, and all these people get off, and they start taking all these pictures. And and, and it was like, okay, you know, that's weird. And um, it was funny because my photographer, she um, – she tried to keep them out of the pictures. And now we kind of wish we had pictures of this tour bus because they they were taking pictures of us because they thought it was cool that I guess somebody was getting married there. It was really fun. It was a, it was a great day. It Listen, a- if there's any people who went to the Jefferson Memorial and saw a wedding there one time <laughs> and they recognize Lori, send yeah. her the pictures <laughs> you of you guys in the photos. Yeah. She really needs them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, though, your one daughter uh, followed in your footsteps. She did. Did any of the other ones? Um, no, no. Mm-hmm. So Jasmine, um, she went to Vanguard here and she was an IB. She did really great. Um, went to FSU specifically because she didn't want to go to UF because she didn't want to go where I went. So, so she kind of veered out and she had a great experience at FSU. Um, and when she was getting close to graduating with her undergraduate degree, I don't think she was quite ready to be done with school. So she decided to get her law degree. Mm. Um, and so within five years, she had her law degree, um, both, both degrees Mm -hmm. at 21, she was a lawyer. Um, she went into family law. And she um, decided she thinks lawyers argue too much, and she's not a big fan. So she's currently doing mediation. She stopped practicing law, and she's doing mediation. Um, but she didn't want to be a prosecutor. Um, she she knew that. And she watched her dad and I go through a divorce and as a teenager kind of go through that, and she wanted to help people through that time in their lives. But it, it family law is rough. So I don't, I don't blame her for finding it as a hard time. Yeah. I'm not really up on the statistics, but I think it's often said that's one of the most dangerous laws, like to be a lawyer in, in terms of like threats and things oh, like that. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me because mm-hmm. emotions run very high in family law. But um, she and I are very similar personalities and 
um, and all of that. But yeah, so right, she uh, right now her big passion is pottery. So our Christmas gifts were all pottery that she made for us, and she does a great job. <laughs> and she's been selling some of it, and she enjoys it. Very nice. A whole family full of creatives. Yes, yes, that's for sure. All of us are musical and. Um, that's Enjoy impressive. Creative things. My youngest daughter likes to draw and paint. Very nice. So, transitioning a little bit into you becoming a judge, mm -hmm. you said that you never really thought of doing it before. And also, from my understanding, the process of becoming a judge can be quite difficult. What was that like for you? Okay. So, I went through the process twice. Oh. Because I was appointed by the governor and then I was up for election quickly. So when I say I went through the process twice, I was appointed and then It was elected. like the next year, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the way the, the Florida Constitution is written, um, that basically once the governor makes an appointment, it gets left up to the people whether, you know, to allow that person to stay in there. So the appointment process was um, challenging. Mm -hmm. um, there's a local interview with about maybe 10 attorneys or so that are from our five counties, the circuit. And um, I went to that interview and it, they were a lot of really hard questions. And that was the first job interview of my life. So I was nearly 50 years old and I had never really been through a job interview because wow. I'm not a serious one, except for if you, if you count like, you know, Bob Evans where I worked in college or something. But I had interned at the state attorney's office and got right, gone right into working for that job. So my interview for this job was literally the first job interview I had. Um, so I made the short list, so they call it a short list of names sent to the governor. I think there were four on the list. And then from that point, there is an interview with the governor's office, not the governor himself, but his people. Mm. And at that time we were still kind of in and out of COVID. So we ended up doing it on zoom. I was sitting in my dining room. I bought these fabulous shoes to meet the governor, but, um, <laughs> he didn't get to see zoom. them. <laughs> so. No, I do call these my governor's shoes. Though. You just slowly <laughs> lifted it up in the camera. That would have been weird. Um, but the second, um, the second interview was really about the law. How do you make decisions? Uh, obviously, the governor wants somebody who can follow the law. I think everybody wants a judge who will follow the law. Um, so it was the most important thing is to, to talk through what, what's your process as a judge when you're making decisions if you have a law that might be a little bit... Um, well, not clear. What 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 does the legislature mean by this? And you've got one attorney arguing one thing and another attorney arguing the other thing. How do you make the decision? Mm -hmm. So that second interview was that type of thing, which involved a lot of reading and studying and, and nerves of steel. Whew. It was okay. yeah. I it, the funny thing was I ended up cracking a joke in the middle of the interview, which my husband was horrified when I told him about it. Did but they laugh? They did, and oh, and good. then they gave me the job. So I guess it oh. turned out okay. But um. They were giving me some hypothetical questions that involved uh, a law about domestic animals, whether they're allowed to be at a house. And then they were talking about a pig and what if the pig is really well behaved and all this stuff. And then they talked about chickens. And I laughed and said, well, my husband wants to have chickens in the backyard. And I told him no. And um, I did. I, but it all worked out. It's good. So also, as far as I'm aware, there is an election process with the judges, too. And I bring that up because before I interviewed you, I saw your signs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and I said it worked. all the time, I said, those are the best looking signs I've ever Thank seen. You. They're pink. Yeah. They're so cute. Yes. But it, it it they were pink, but it it reminded you of red, white, and blue. Without yes. being the same colors oh, yeah. of everything else, mm -hmm. it was still I loved it. Um there was a lot of debate about the signs. At the beginning, a friend of mine helped me design. My original design is not what we ended up with, but it's mm -hmm. close. And I chose the colors. And even at one point when I ordered T-shirts, somebody was like, well, I don't know why they put these colors on there. I'm like, those are my colors. 
Um, but I wanted it to be different from everybody else. Again, I told you I'm creative, so I wanted it to be something creative. So, yes, thank you for saying that you like the signs. It was very smart, very retro, very cute. Mm-hmm. There's no one I spoke to who didn't go around saying, I don't know who Lori Cotton is, <laughs> but I love her signs. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that process, the election process, I know that when it comes to uh, politics and being elected, there can be a lot of mudslinging. There can be a lot of investigation in your past. Did any of that happen for you? It was a challenging process. There's there's no question about that. Um, judges, uh, we have a really interesting, um, we have constraints on us. And I, I think it's a good thing because it's really not political. For a judge, we you know we don't run on any party. It's nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things are nonpartisan, but we're actually prohibited from telling our political party. So even if you asked me, I couldn't tell you. Um, We are prohibited from giving our opinion on laws, like anything that could come before me, which is really pretty much just about anything that might be controversial, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be giving my opinion on. So we we have those restrictions. And of course, that's what people want to ask. They want to know what party are you and how do you feel about this or this or this? And my constant answer is, well, it's nonpartisan, but I promise you I'll follow the law. Um, and so the the process gets complicated because people are complicated, I think. Mm-hmm. And people want to talk about those things, even though as a judge, I'm not allowed to. Mm-hmm. So there was there there was some frustrating moments within the process where it felt like, ah, you know, how am I supposed to handle this situation or how do I answer that question? You know, because you're coming face to face with voters, mm-hmm. um, either individually when I'm walking around getting my petition signed or just meeting people or at a forum where you're answering questions to groups and um, people can get frustrated when you don't answer their questions. Yeah. Has anything ever been like invasive? Have you ever, cause I know, you know, it can get really intense. People can start looking into your family, mm-hmm. into your history and the things that you've done. Did they ever do that for you? Well, I think it's all fair. I think if somebody wants to serve the public, um, it's fair to look into my history. It's mm-hmm. fair to look and see, you know, what have I done in the past? What can you expect me to do in the future? So I don't have any necessarily complaints about that. Um, but yes, things were brought up about my family. Things were said about um, th- things that happened that were very, very challenging um, to deal with as a mother. Um, you know, as a public official, you have every right to know what's going on in my life and how it could affect the way I make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there were definitely some things brought up. It's, it's not fun to go through that. Yeah. Per- like I know publicly, how did you address those? And personally, mm-hmm. how do you come to terms with how your public persona needs to be as a judge versus yourself as a mother? Okay. So I think it's important to, to say that what you see is what you get. So publicly, it's pretty much it's who I am. Mm-hmm. And the way that I address the situation, and there's, there's one particular situation that I'll tell you about, and I, I know a lot of people t- know about this because I've talked about it, and I have a daughter who deals with substance abuse issues, which is, I think, one of the things that makes me really good at running DUI Corps because I've been dealing with these issues in my family for years. Um, so my daughter was struggling with these substance abuse issues she actually was um, expelled from Forest High School, went to Pace for a while, which is a wonderful place, um, and then actually graduated in a program. So she was not in the kind of same track as my first daughter, who did really well in school and then went to college. And um, her choices have not been the choices that I would make. Um, I've, I've tried to help her the right way. Um, I eventually asked her to leave the house. Um, 
because I have other teenagers in the house and I can't have bad behavior around substance abuse being modeled for those um, kids that are still there. And so she wasn't living with me at the time, but um, there was a, a night when she who she told us she was going to AA, but instead she went and got something to drink and actually caused a crash and uh, drove her car head on into a family of three. Um, horrific, just absolutely horrific um, what she did. And so this is all happening when I was already a judge. Um, so, of course, I'm dealing with her being in intensive care as a mom, knowing that she had harmed another family. Um, all of those different things had happened. And, um, I mean, I guess you just keep going. That's what you do because I got to take care of her as much as I can as an adult making her own decisions. Um, so when it became obvious that it was going to be made an issue politically, um, I made the decision just to be very open about it, just like I am right now. And, and um, when I would talk to people, I would explain this about my daughter and, and really um, also in the context of my job sometimes is works with substance abuse and, and people who are struggling with that. Um, and I was open on things like Facebook just to kind of get the word out so people would hear it from me and not from somebody else. It's not anything I've ever tried to hide, um, but a lot of, of Riley's story is not my story to tell. It's her story. I am her mom, but she's an adult. Um, and of course, there are criminal charges pending. So um, it's very, very tricky. But my the, your and the initial question was, how did I handle it? And it was just really just to face it head on. I mean, there's no point in trying to hide something, um, you're, you're just going to have to to deal with it. What an incredibly short year, your first year, and long it must have also seemed to you, <laughs> but your first, first year as a judge, how taxing, because that happened all at the same time. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, you just handle it. I, I don't know mm -hmm. how else to say it except that you handle it. Um, I love the job. I absolutely love what I'm doing. Um, there's a big learning curve. Um, I'm sitting in a whole different place in the courtroom um, and learning the different role was challenging but you know you just do things one after another till they're done. Mm -hmm. I think most people would find your professionalism and your personal past uh, to be some of the best qualities people can have in a judge because as you mentioned it's given you a lot of empathy mm -hmm. for the people that you were supposed to preside over. Right mm -hmm. right I, I think that's very true and especially um and there was a perspective that I didn't have until Riley caused this crash and that, and I've shared this with my DUI core and I, I truly believe this. And that is how lucky they are that they got arrested before they hurt somebody. And I, I've, I've shared that with a few people who come in front of me. You may feel like this is the worst day of your life. You've been arrested. You're standing in front of a judge, but you're alive. Mm -hmm. And you didn't hurt anybody else. And now you have a chance to make different choices. So that was a whole new perspective for me um, after going through with her. So what is in store for Lori Cotton, the judge, and Lori Cotton, the mom, and the <laughs> wife, and the artist in the future? I'm just going to keep doing what I do What I do now. I mean, um, the, the, the job is incredible. I, I didn't realize how much I was going to like it. Um, and it the shiny and newness of it hasn't faded. So in a year and a half, um, I mean, every time I put the robe on, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a judge. Um, how cool is this that people here trust me to do this job? Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, at its at its most basic, I am resolving differences for people. So whatever dispute people have, whether it's a criminal charge or um, somebody owes somebody money or it's an eviction or property dispute, it's some kind of dispute that people haven't been able to resolve without a court. And so we need that. Um, but that people trust me to do that is it, it, well, it's humbling. And every day I'm just thankful. So keep doing the same thing that I'm doing. Well, I'm thankful for what you're doing, and it's an honor to have had you here today, Lori. I hope in the future I see a lot more of you and your fabulous signs on the <laughs> side you. of the road. Don't change the design. They're really nice. <laughs> thank you. Um, and thank you all for coming here today and listening to Lori's story. Uh, if you would like to hear more, you can find out more information on localamagazine.com, or you can check out our Facebook and We'll probably post this episode for everyone to see. Once again, I'm Taylor Strickland, and this is Lori Cotton. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.